This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from across the world. And today it is Craig Earlham in London. Good morning to you, Craig. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. Let's start with how we've begun the week. And I believe markets in positive territory so far. Yeah, it's been a decent start. I mean, I don't think we can read a huge amount into it. I think last week was last week was an interesting one. Um, obviously, we, we got off to a decent start. The, uh, there was some real knockout earnings last week. So we, there was a bit of caution really early on in the week. And going through the week, it didn't really change that much. It became a focal, a focus on the Fed. And then when the Fed acted, they kind of balanced things quite well. So markets didn't really take off in either direction. Turned a little bit sour on Friday, but I mean, we were talking about small losses in the grand scheme of things when compared to the fact that US markets, for example, are at or around record highs. We just saw a bit of a small pullback um, and obviously some of the negative headlines that were bouncing around at the time potentially contributing to that. Uh, but I think, I mean, when, it, when you're looking at month end, you wonder what impact month end flows and things had on things like that as well. We've got off to a strong start at the start of the week now. Again, there's plenty still to look forward to. This week, uh, we're still in the midst of earnings season. We've got the US jobs report on Friday, Bank of England on Thursday. Uh, we've got a raft of PMI data coming out today on Wednesday. Um, and uh, and there's still a number of other stories which are still sparking the interest. The Chinese regulatory concerns, which we touched on last week, uh, remains very much at the forefront. Rising COVID cases, uh, the Delta variant in a number of countries. So there's, it, it's, we're, not, we're not lacking um, anything to focus on. We're not lacking talking points and drivers this week. But the markets have bounced back uh, for to give us uh, a decent uh, a decent start uh, to what could be uh, a really uh, interesting week. And how have markets reacted to the data that's been out so far today? Depending on where it is, it's it's overall. I'll say let's say it's a mixed bag. The Chinese PMI data, the manufacturing PMIs, were both softer than expected. Um, so for years there of a potential slowdown in China. Obviously, we're seeing a few more COVID cases there. So there is again fears that that could uh, potentially spread and become another downside factor for these markets, or a major downside factor for these markets, should I say? Um, so that so we saw a bit of a dip there, and obviously we've still got the supply side um, issues as well. It seems that um, even Asia as a whole is seeing almost kind of two very different stories uh, materialising. But I kind of, that's kind of reflective of everywhere else as well. We look at the European PMIs this morning and... Um, and yeah, again, it, it, on the face of it, they look okay. They look at a couple of disappointing uh, below forecast numbers. But um, the, the overriding theme seems to be one of, uh, of factories kind of struggling to keep up with demand, hiring workers at a record pace. Again, the supply side issues is something that's prevalent globally. This isn't just um, specific to one region or one set of companies so this is uh, an issue that we, we are seeing right now and that's actually leading to higher price pressures uh, because um, for, for obvious reasons supply side tends to lead to uh, supply side issues tend to lead to uh, higher higher price pressures um, the question becomes how permanent and how much they get passed on the view obviously currently being that it's a temporary factor that won't be uh, passed on for a considerable amount of time but right now that is one issue that some of these um, some of these factories are seeing and we'll obviously get the US data uh, later on today uh, but like I say I think broadly speaking I wouldn't say there's anything enormously surprising in the data we've seen this morning uh, nothing that kind of teaches us something that we don't already really know but there's still plenty more to come over the course of the week. Indeed and I think probably the highlight and most important bit of data is going to be that jobs report 
on Friday. It could be a bit of a game changer with a strong number encouraging the Fed to tighten policy while a weak number could delay it from pairing back bond purchases. I know that the report they think is going to be a good one, somewhere around, what, three quarters of a million, something like that. If it goes beyond that, that could change a lot of things. Yeah, and I think with always with these things as well, you kind of get the psychological impact as well. A number above a million suddenly feels extremely significant. A number below 500,000 seems significant in the other way. I mean, I don't, the, vet, the Fed obviously won't view it in such simple uh, in such simple terms. I think the, the kind of the inflation data we saw on Friday is a, is a major factor as well. We've also got to bear in mind, while these data points always seem significant and there are pieces of data which are more important than other pieces of data, we can't just read a huge amount to one. And I think it was very clear from the Federal Reserve that there is a balance there. There is a wide range of views at the Federal Reserve um, and some far more hawkish than others. I don't think one jobs report necessarily changes that in, in any in any massive way. But obviously over the course of the next two or three months, if, thing, if we do start to see those price pressures building, we're seeing a, a strong economic rebound. Got to remember unemployment is still uh, has a long way to come down. If we start to see those price pressures building and they start to have a sense of being uh, a longer term price pressures, then we could start to see um, a, a significant shift. But I still think it's going to be later this year before the Fed signalling that, that tapering is coming. And tapering is coming and it should come. Um, but I think we're, we're looking at early next year and I think the, the warning signs won't start coming really until later this year. But I guess we'll see. I'm sure the markets will react strongly to the data one way or another. In terms of the mood on both sides of the Atlantic and beyond regarding COVID-19, there are mixed reports coming out of uh, various countries. I know in the States, the CDC said that 74% of people infected in the Massachusetts COVID outbreak were fully vaccinated. That's a bit of a worry. Over here in the UK, things are much more positive and the numbers continue to go down despite the opening uh, of everything on July the 19th. So it's a difficult one to fathom really as to where you know how optimistic and pessimistic we're all going to be for the next few weeks and months we've probably been saying this for the last 18 months right i think the next few weeks is critical i think the uk is effectively undergoing an experiment and the world is watching um removing all restrictions at a time when we've had surging cases um is is a is a big old is a big old experiment one that if it goes wrong will probably um Kind of influence the behaviour of other countries when they start to see their vaccination numbers uh, reach the similar kinds of levels. So far, so good, Craig. Exactly, exactly, and uh, I think that and that is obviously still very important. We still, we I think we still need to gather a lot more data, but I think it, it, it's been really encouraging what we have seen so far. I think we've mentioned before lower case numbers. We are also seeing see lower levels of testing, so that may be um, part of the influence. But I said, like I said, the, the data itself is encouraging, especially when you look at the hospitalizations and fatality rates. And this is where the Massachusetts one kind of comes in as well. And um, yes, they could say that the, it may be that more people who are catching it have been vaccinated. And to be honest, I find that number staggering. I'm, I really do find that in, in, incredibly, incredibly surprising. But part of the defence that the vaccination gives you is in terms of how ill you become, how whether you need uh, uh, a hospital treatment and whether the worst happens. Um, so as long as those numbers continue to stay low, then these anomaly numbers, and I, I do think it's an anomaly because we're not seeing that kind of trend anywhere else, these anomaly numbers are just going to be 
that. Um, but again, it, it's just it is going to be interesting to see because the final few months of the year, with vaccination numbers going ever higher, I think we are going to see a lot more of these vaccinated versus non-vaccinated comparisons, and rightly so. Uh, and, and I'm sure we'll learn a lot more about where we stand. Well, we will learn a lot more about where we stand as a result, and people can then start to build their judgments both on um, on the success of the vaccines themselves, uh, on the success of the uh, countries that have been delivering them and um, and then on uh, how these countries are going to perform going forward. We've had plenty of earnings over the last couple of weeks or so, Craig. Uh, of course, massive numbers from the big tech and more than a quarter of the S&P 500 report earnings in the coming week. And that would include insurance, pharma, travel, media and so on. So investors will be watching to see what companies say about the reopening of activity the supply chain disruptions and rising costs. That was a real big theme last year, last week with the big tech. The the supply side issues was something, especially with regards to the chip shortage, was something that we continued to hear about. The other theme that we saw from big tech, comp- any companies that have really done very well over the last 18 months from people being kept indoors. The theme is lower growth now going forward, now that people can leave the house and are choosing to leave the house. And we're going to learn effectively just how sticky the the growth over the last 18 months has been um, for all that the growth numbers will fall for someone like Apple if they've sold more devices that's more people within their ecosystem so that's somewhere where you could see sticky um, uh, growth going forward with regards to for example the services side um, so we're going to see from, we're, I'm sure we'll continue to see these continuing trends for a, no, for a number of companies and as you say um, there are a huge amount of companies still to report um, over this coming week uh, and then I think we will start to see it kind of slow down quite a bit with like I said a lot of the the massive names that you come to associate earnings week with the big earnings weeks I think last week it was the was the kind of peak and we may start to see a little less focus um on earnings season going forward especially when we've got massive data points like the US jobs report but there's still plenty of there's still a number should I say of big big names uh, still to report so it's not going away entirely but I don't think there'll be quite the same focus on earnings season this week as there was last. And over here in the UK, I suppose the big announcement will be the Bank of England comments and the mood music from the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee will be important. Yeah, so that's on Thursday. The Bank of England will naturally be discussing the the shape that uh, the economy is taking uh, in the aftermath or in, in, while in the process of rolling out these vaccines and they will be trying to determine what further action is necessary. The current bond buying uh, stands at $895 billion and it's due to run to the end of this year so they, they still haven't completed all of their bond purchases at this moment in time. There's still four months left. I don't think we're going to see too much talk about tapering those bond buying at this point in time, there may be discussions about what make what could come next or how the progress is moving. And uh, I really, I'd be, I'd be amazingly surprised if they try to um, reduce the their bond purchase before the end of the year and effectively say that the the, the current envelope that has been set for bond purchases isn't needed. I don't think we're there yet. I still think we're. This is very much a fragile recovery, and especially with the Bank of England, you look at things like the furlough schemes coming to an end, so we're going to, have to see the full impact of that now. We've seen it um, we, we've seen it partially wound down effectively at this point, but that comes to an end, I think, in September, October. So 
until that's completely finished and we start we see what the full impact of that is going to be on the more permanent side of the unemployment um, equation then I think it would be bizarre for the Bank of England to commit to fewer purchases so I think they're, I think they're going to talk about the encouraging signs I think they're going to talk about the downside risks and maybe just maybe we may get some insight onto what they plan is next but I, I think there's still there's a long way to go just in the next four months if that makes sense it does indeed make a lot of sense Craig thanks very much for joining us this morning we'll speak to you again soon thank you the Oanda podcast <laughs>